Hello, and welcome to Monco on the Move podcast. I'm Molly Hafner, Director of Marketing at Montgomery County Community College. And I'm Jared Brown, Assistant Dean of Academic Affairs at Monco's Pottstown campus. Hi there, Jared. Hello, Molly. How are you? Oh, doing fantastic. Same, same. So are you ready for our guest today? I sure am. I'm excited about it. Yeah, we have a terrific faculty member Mm -hmm. from the college who inspires students on a daily basis. And today, we get a chance to highlight one of them. He's just written a sequel to one of the most acclaimed war novels in American history. And he's here to talk about it. I'm so looking forward to this. And he actually has a copy. I know, right? right? Like we can physically touch it and see it. It's great. I know, I know. That's awesome. So our guest today is author and Monco English senior lecturer, Donald Yost. His book is called Henry, a sequel to Stephen Crane's The Red Badge of Courage. Yeah, Donald is a Vietnam War veteran whose most previous memoir, Blessings, Transforming My Vietnam Experience, described his experience overcoming post-traumatic stress disorder following his time serving in the war. Oh, wow. So he's going to talk about how he channeled those emotions from his own time as a soldier into this new novel and why he felt up to the challenge to write a follow-up to a literary classic. So we'll cover all of that and more when the Monco on the Move podcast continues right after this. Ah, it's such a nice day. I'm happy to be outside. Ah, what is that smell? It's my neighbor's stinky cigar. Why are you smoking that stinky cigar? I like my stinky cigar. Yeah. You know smoking is bad and I don't want to smell it. Yeah. I guess you're right. Smoking is a highly addictive habit that can easily become a lifelong addiction and can cause long-term health problems for you and those around you. And it stinks. Stop smoking. Welcome back to Monco on the Move podcast. I'm Jared Brown, and our guest today is English senior lecturer Donald Jost. Welcome, Donald. No, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm very happy to be here. We're excited that you're here to join us to tell us a little bit about some of your writing that you've been doing. You've been busy. And congratulations on the book. So before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your time at Monco? Sure. I've been at Monco teaching English for about 12 years now. I'm probably the best job I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Uh, the students are incredible. They and are. I'm really disappointed that we're shut down because of the pandemic, but I can't wait to get back and yeah. be face-to-face again. Mm-hmm. But I've been doing that for about 12 years now. My career, basically, to start with, when I, to support my family, was a commercial insurance broker. Mm. I had been given lectures on my Vietnam experience to various colleges, one of them being Rosemont College. Mm. And that's where I got my first book published because apparently you need to know somebody to get a book published these days. Okay. <laughs> and Jenny Radigan was a professor at Rosemont. She helped me get my first book published. And it resulted in, because of the, all the uh, lectures I was giving out there, they actually awarded me with a master's degree. I mean, I had to earn it, but they paid for it. Oh, that's great. So because I got the master's degree, I'm able to be here at Montco. Right. And I was able to change my career to get into teaching, which is what I really think I've got a calling for. Uh, so it's one of my blessings from Vietnam is actually being here today, as a matter of fact, uh, because it was something without that experience. I'd have never written the first book. I would have never gotten a master's degree. I graduated from Seton Hall University with a degree in English. That degree actually saved my life in Vietnam. I was a grunt in the field in Vietnam until I got wounded by a hand grenade. I wrote a story because I found out that there was an opening in the public information office, of all things. 
some guardian angel came over to me one day and said, why don't you go and check out this opening they have? He didn't know me from Adam. Mm -hmm. I wrote a story, wobbled in there, and the day I was supposed to go back to the field, I was literally putting my foot on the skid of the helicopter to go back to the field when they waved me back and say, orders came down from division. You're not going to cover the story as a combat correspondent. So the rest of the time I was in Vietnam, I was writing. So I tell my students, my degree in English saved my life in Vietnam. Oh, wow. But that was, I think, probably what got me started with this. I think you only write about things that you know about. And I tell my students this all the time. I don't think we are people that happen to have a spirit within us. I think we are a spirit that is inhabiting a body for a short period of time. And so when you write, you have to be inspired in the spirit. And when I wrote either one of these books, I felt like I was an instrument. Hmm. It was something that needed to be said. I took my Vietnam experience. I looked at what Stephen Crane had done. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm channeling him because we're both Jersey boys. <laughs> he died at the age of 26. He grew up in, he was born in Newark, New Jersey. I'm from North Jersey. And I said, I'm going to take Henry's, I'm going to take Henry Fleming, the protagonist of The Red Badge of Courage, and finish the story that that he wanted to tell. He didn't tell the whole story. Could I take a second and just read a little paragraph out of my book proposal about yeah, this? Absolutely. Because yeah. I think this sort of summarizes. Give us a little taste. Yeah. Right? Just, well, this gives a summary as to, you know, why would I do this in the first place? In the last few paragraphs of Stephen Crane's The Red Badge of Courage, his protagonist, Henry Fleming, struggles with the aftermath of his wartime experiences. He is tormented by his guilt from having abandoned the tattered soldiers during the Battle of Chancellorsville, and by the death of his best friend, Jim Conklin, who died in Henry's place. Henry tries to rationalize his actions. Now, this is the actual quote from the book, mm -hmm. the last paragraphs of Stephen Crane. Yet gradually, he mustered force to put the sin at a distance, and at last his eyes seemed to open to some new ways. He found that he could look back upon the brass and bombast of his earlier Gospels and see them truly. He was gleeful when he discovered that he had now despised them. With this conviction came a store of assurance. He felt a quiet manhood, non-assertive, but a sturdy and strong blood. He knew that he would no more quail before his guides wherever they should point. He had been to touch the great death and found that after all, it was but the great death. He was a man. Now, here's where I started. I, I said, I got to finish the story. <laughs> Scholars have questioned Crane's implications here. Has Henry truly become a man because of the trauma he has experienced? Is war a coming of age? Crane's novel, therefore, leaves many questions unanswered. How had Henry been changed by his experiences? How was he able to adjust to civilian life? What was the impact on Henry's family? What did he learn from the experiences? Henry, a sequel to the Red Badge of Courage, answers these questions. In doing so, it casts light on the impact of war on the young soldiers who throughout history have been its casualties. Since the Vietnam War, many studies have been conducted on this topic, and post-traumatic stress disorder is now recognized as one of the most prevalent results of combat experience. Stephen Crane sensed this in his essay, The Veteran, which was a separate essay that he wrote, People must have been asking him, what happened to Henry Fleming? Okay. So he, he actually wrote an essay called The Veteran. He describes the old Henry who continues to struggle with the war's aftermath. Crane could not possibly fully understand what Henry Fleming's life was like after the war, the alienation, rage, and guilt that Henry experienced, 
More importantly, he could not have fully understood the lessons Henry learned. Henry, a sequel to The Red Badge of Courage, tells the rest of Henry Fleming's story. Rather than becoming an embittered old man, Henry learns that he can use his experiences to help other people. He comes to understand that everyone has, sometime in their life, experiences alienation, rage, and guilt, and this realization produces within him a deep sense of empathy and compassion for others. Stephen Crane's intention in writing The Red Badge of Courage was to tell the story of war's impact on the young soldiers who fight it. Henry, a sequel to The Red Badge of Courage, fulfills Crane's legacy. And I think I'm well qualified to write this because of what I learned from my Vietnam experience. That's why my first book was called Blessings, Transforming My Vietnam Experience. How in the world could Vietnam be a blessing? Well, I found out how. And I tell my students this when we read essays about the homeless in English 101 or 102. You can't have compassion without empathy. Empathy is the mother of compassion. Empathy means you've got to be able to feel somebody else's pain. It doesn't mean you have to go to Southeast Asia in 1968 like I did to know what alienation, rage, and guilt are about. Everybody suffers with these things at some point in their life. You either had a Vietnam now or it's coming, Mm -hmm. whether it's the, the loss of a parent. And the stories I hear from my students are heartbreaking. The essays I read, friends that commit suicide. I mean, tragedy is all over the place. What I tried to say on my first book was you can take this stuff and you can learn from it. And you can say, just as an example of my students, say I see a student in a wheelchair when I come to class. I say, do you think she feels alienated? Do you think she might feel angry? Whatever happened to cause this, maybe it was an automobile accident. Could there be any guilt involved? Did you ever feel that way? Mm-hmm. Do you think homeless people ever feel alienated, enraged, or guilty? You know, everybody experiences this stuff. Right. So my Vietnam experience said I could learn from this and turn and say everybody's got a Vietnam. Well, Henry Fleming learned everybody's got a Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through this stuff. So what happens in my book, and I hate to tell the ending, but I will. <laughs> he takes his experiences from Gettysburg, which is, you know, described in pretty brutal detail. And that'll do a lot of research on it to make sure it was correct historically. But they actually lost the Battle of Chancellorsville, where, where Stephen Crane ends it. They're on their way back, and Henry says he's a man. Nobody really believes, is really sure that he is. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, there's more to this story. What happened to Henry when he came home? Did right. he have flashbacks? Right. Was, did he feel alienation, rage, mm-hmm. guilt, any yeah. of this? So I said, because of my experience, I'm able to take it and finish Stephen Crane's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what I tried to do with it. I love that literature allows you to, without being in the experience yourself, be able to understand and empathize, like you're saying, go through and, yeah. and learn what it, it's like to be in somebody else's shoes, right? I was an English major as well, and I and I love that. And I think that you know when we talk about mental health issues a lot right. here, and just trying to really understand one another, what an amazing thing that you're bringing to the classroom. It's not a formal therapy session, so to speak, but you're you know to be able to have that as an outlet to be able to write in somebody else's mindset or to be able to be in somebody else's head. Like yeah. that's such a therapeutic thing that is is so powerful. 
you know? And there's a connectivity to what you shared with us, right? There's the history mm-hmm. of the past, of not only your experience, but then there's also bringing that to light to students that right now might not have any concept of that, but right. you're relating it to current conceptual concepts that they can see, touch, or maybe have been through. And so that's a powerful tool to be able to provide to students today. Right, yeah. Unlock something that they may not even know that they Or realize or make a connection with, right? So those parallels are powerful. The letters that I get from students after semesters, I've willed to my daughter. I mean, they are... So I, I am so privileged to be able to do it. And yeah. again, it's a blessing for me to be able to do it because I, I didn't realize, and it didn't, this isn't something you realize instantly. Mm-hmm. It took me 18 years and going through some therapy myself sure. right? before I came to a realization that, hey, everybody's got one. Yeah. And what right. I can do is be there for other people. Mm-hmm. My brother, Rick, lost his, his uh, 19-year-old daughter in an automobile accident. Wow. Mm. And he was able to come together with other people who had the same experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's his Gettysburg. That's his mm-hmm. Civil War. We're doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But we all have these experiences. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. So you don't teach uh, you don't teach the Red Badge of Courage in your class. And um, you said before that you won't require your students to read Henry, but that you recommend that they do. Why? Well, why I wouldn't even say that? recommend. I'd like them to yeah. because I wrote it for them. And the section in the, the book proposal about, you know, who is the market, which is a key part of a book proposal, yes, he's going to buy it. Sure. <laughs> the main group that I targeted with this book, because it's a coming-of-age novel, mm-hmm. are 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Perfect. You know, yeah. The average age in Vietnam was, was 19. Yeah. Of the American combat soldier. I, they thought I was an old man. I was 21 years old. <laughs> I'm writing this for students, number one. Because I think there's a message there that they might be able to learn something from. That I'm not going to force them to read it. I had a, uh, another book deal. They offered me another contract on this. And it just turned me off. You know, how many people are you going to get to buy this book? Mm-hmm. And will you guarantee the sale of X number? What he was trying to tell me was, you're going to sell it to your students. I'm not, I don't think it's professional. You know, I didn't write this to sell it to my students. Okay. I sure would like them to read it. Yeah, you can go online, or you can go buy a used one. I don't care. But I think there's a message there that I want them to have. But I'm not going to say you've got to read it. The thing about reading the Red Badge of Courage, a lot of people were forced, I to say the word forced, to read it in high school. The reason is the way that book is written, it's old-fashioned writing. You know, what I just read to you from the book is really stilted. I mean, it's not the way people talk anymore. Right. I was wondering about that. Yeah. And if you read the book, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> and. I've had people read the book. Now, there's some films, believe it or not. I know they say, oh, the film isn't good as a book. Well, in this case, Richard Thomas, guy used to be uh, a John Boy, was the star of a movie, Red Badge of Courage. And he did a pretty decent job of taking Stephen Crane's book. And, 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 and he was it. on the TV show, The Waltons, correct? Oh, that's right, The yeah. Waltons. I'm sorry, yeah. No, that's okay. No, but... Uh, so he was a star in that movie. If you watch the movie, because people say, gee, do we have to read the first book to get your? I said, no, because I recapped it anyway. I had to go back and sort of have flashbacks to say, here's what Henry's mm. been through. So I've recapped The Red Badge of Courage. You don't have to read that book to do it, to, to understand where I'm coming from, because I couldn't do a sequel without referring to where I was coming from. But the way things were written back in the day is not the same language. Right. Uh, people get turned off reading that 
the way it's written. It's a little inaccessible. Yeah, maybe. and I think yeah. that's why people are oh, I was forced to read this in high school. And the word becomes forced. It wasn't like, I, gee, I really learned something. Because Stephen Crane didn't give them the lesson. He told them the experience to an extent. Mm. I don't think he did it really in a lot of detail like I do in my book. But he gave them the experience of a young soldier trying to figure out what was going on, you know, being confused. At one point he says, I'm a knight. The other point he says, I'm a mud digger. He doesn't know what he is. Mm-hmm. And almost like some teenagers going back and forth trying to find themselves, if you can use that phrase anymore, he's trying to find himself in the book. But he, Stephen Crane never said, but here was what he found. To say at the very end he was a man, well, what's the definition? Mm-hmm. What, what does it mean to be a man? That he survived? Where he ends the book is the Battle of Chancellorsville. They lost that battle. That was a northern f- defeat. Yeah. And yet Henry said, oh, he was a man. He's proud. Ah. And even in the movie, it looks like, oh, he's, he's learned something. He's really proud. He's very, Well, back in the day when he wrote this book, I guess military service was held at a high level. Not that it isn't anymore. And I've got the highest respect for veterans. I really do. I, I really feel terrible that 45% of homeless people these days are veterans. I mean, that's an absolute disgrace. Mm-hmm. But to just say, I'm not going to tell you what the answer is. I'm just going to say here, oh, he's a knight. He's some you know highfalutin thing. This is glorious. The glorious part of war, once you're involved in it, you realize isn't there. And that was part of what Stephen Crane was trying to point out because he wasn't in the Civil War himself, but he went around and he interviewed people. It's the only book where he tried to get into the head of the 19-year-old who was fighting the battle. Every other thing about the Civil War, you can look at it look at still these days. It's all about battles and generals and strategy and this, and Lee moved his army here and this. And his was the first book that said, here's what it felt like to be 19 years old yeah. mm. in that. And so he, that's why it became a popular book. That's where they started using it. There's another book that they used, and sometimes they don't do a really great job of this. There's one called In Country, okay. which is, her last name is Mason. And they were using this book in high schools for a while. It's a story about this girl's uncle comes back from Vietnam, and he's all screwed up, and she doesn't understand why he is. So she goes off into the woods to try to live in the woods like he must have lived in country and never finds out why. The reason they were reading that book in high school was because it was about this young girl wondering about her uncle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they find books once in a while, you know. There's certain books that have to do with the coming of age or that particular age group where people get a hold of it and they say, we're going to use this because it deals with that age and they should relate to it, right? Catcher in the Rye is another example. <laughs> you know, and I read that book, but you know, I read it. So I wasn't that all quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, you, but there's, there's certain books that they War, say, well, same thing where you're we're going to take this and use it in class because it's relating to that age group and they should be able to jump onto it. I'm not so sure that that always happens. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so this book for everybody who's out there listening and is now 
not that we're wanting to please your publisher, um, <laughs> <laughs> but that I'm sure some people are interest is going to be piqued, and we want to make sure they know where to get it. It's Henry, a sequel to Stephen Crane's The Red Badge of Courage, and it's available wherever books are sold. So you can just go on Amazon and oh, type it's that all in. Over. It's right there. It's all over it's the all internet. It's all over. Okay, because that's where I order my books. I don't know about you, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Not that I'm plugging Amazon. I know, right? So whatever you want. <laughs> no, you wherever can. you can find it, right? <laughs> well, well, Donald, we really appreciate you taking the time to share your journey and your writing experience, and more importantly, how you're making those connections for the students at Monco in your class. We really appreciate that. Thank you for your service. And of course, congratulations on this new book. We are very excited for you. I just have to jump in and thank you for inspiring students. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, from an outsider, from the administrative side, I just, I, I always am like a little bit jealous of not being in the classroom. And it sounds like the students who are in your classroom really are in for a treat. So I just thank you for inspiring us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So uh, we thank Donald and also want to pay special thank you to our sound recording and music technology students, Colin Foley and Quinn Senta, who have done a fantastic job today. Yep. And thank you for listening to Monco on the Move podcast. Check back soon to hear more stories from our Monco family. And until next time, I am Molly Hafner. And I'm Jared Brown. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to Montco on the Move. Students at Montgomery County Community College working in the sound recording and music technology program record, edit, and produce this podcast. Check out mc3.edu forward slash on the move to listen to our latest episode or download our podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also learn about the latest episodes by following us on social media. Have a guest in mind you think would be great for the podcast? Email Eric Devlin at edevlin at mc3.edu or Diane Van Dyke at dvandyke at mc3.edu. And come back next time to find out more about what's happening at your community college and catch our Montco Momentum.